What is up and welcome back to Zen Business, the show that studies health and mindfulness habits that ultra high performers use to reach the top of their industry and their craft. I'm your host, Jonathan Maxim, Managing Director at K&J Growth Hackers and founder of five digital companies. We've grown these companies to great levels and created an exciting and fulfilling life for our team members, but the truth is it was much more challenging than we ever could have imagined. All right, now let's jump in. All right, what is up? And welcome back to Zen Business. I am stoked to be here. I'm stoked for you to be here. I hope that you are having a wonderful week. Happy Monday. I get every morning started with the podcast. You know, as they say, I like to scratch my own itch for my business and, and my life pursuits. And I just love podcasting because I can listen to people that, you know, either provoke new angles and thought processes for me or remind me of old positive habits that I want to reintroduce or old negative habits I want to get rid of, or just spend my time being a fly on the wall with people who are having an intellectual conversation that I, you know, look up to, that I uh, model myself after. Some of the podcasts I listen to all in with David Sachs, Jason Friedman, uh, Chamath Pali Papatia, all those guys. I love that one. I love the uh, Tim Ferriss show. I love, what is that other one that's so good? Oh, Real AF with Anthony or Andy Frazella. Andy Frazella presents some really provocative uh, thought processes as well. Jordan Peterson, really great show. So, you know, that kind of sets the stage for today's show is, the concept of of coaching, right? Who we are modeling our behaviors after, what we are learning, what we can download from somebody else's experience, how we can save ourselves the the work of, you know, doing stuff twice, right? Like there's kind of no reason for somebody to learn the hard lessons themselves, right? Unless you literally cannot do it, unless you literally have to go out there and get punched in the face by life, why not hop, skip, and jump ahead? So today I'm going to talk to you about my coach, Ian. Ian was my first, I would say, high-performance coach. He really got me into the marketing agency game at a, a whole new level. And this guy, I was 27 when I hired him, and he was 23. Now, that sounds pretty absurd, I'm sure, to a lot of people. But this guy was not a human dude. He was a fucking alien. He was so intelligent. Like I'm talking about the level of like Elon Musk. And this 23-year-old is coaching people twice his age, making them buku bucks back, you know, multiplying their income. And he's just a kid. I don't know how his brain was so intellectually developed, but this guy had a a massive impact on my life. Now, just this past week when I was traveling, I had about four hours on the plane and I went back through all of his coaching program and I went back and did the workbooks. I did the audits. I did the visualization techniques and the manifesting, it's called a compass letter. I did a 360 deep dive on my life and my business. So I went back and did all these because it's just so impactful. And I, I, you know, worked with this coach beginning about five years ago. So even after five years, all of his content is still extremely relevant. And now I'm actually repackaging it and giving it to my team for their own coaching so that they can benefit from the same thing that was life-changing for me. Now, at the time, I wasn't making much money. I was making like two grand a month with a marketing agency. 
uh, within two months, he had me making 10 grand a month. And within about six months, I was making 25 grand a month with the agency. So there's a direct financial impact of his coaching, but that's not the important part. The important part is the expansion of my mind. He really questioned my limiting beliefs. And I remember at the time thinking, dude, you're out of your mind. This is, <laughs> this is crazy. Like, it's just not realistic. Like, be realistic. Because he was much more of a visionary and I was much more of a doer. So logistically, I was thinking through how do I actually get these things done that he's recommending. But now looking back, I'm extremely grateful. He was very on target with his recommendations and really opening my mind. And I'll explain what I, I mean in a little bit. But before we jump into, you know, what my coach who passed away left me with, I'm going to tell you a little bit about the uh, the background here. And it's just, you know, a quick minute. So basically, my coach took his own life about a year after I worked with him, right? And it's very heartbreaking for me because not just on like the, the friend and the role model and the connection level, losing somebody who I really care about, but more that the world lost out on an extremely brilliant mind. And, you know, like I said before, my conversations with him were in those moments, I felt like I was talking to the next Jeff Bezos, the next Elon Musk. This guy was extremely brilliant. Like, <laughs> I don't know if you believe in this shit, but like a star being or like an alien level of astral knowledge, you know, it was just out of this world knowledge. He could make connections that nobody else could, could understand and make that, in my opinion. So anyway, he had a huge impact on my life. Five years later, I'm still doing podcasting about the learnings from him because it's so timeless. It's so, so relevant. And I'm not going to try to speculate on why he took his own life. But what I do know is that with the level, with the grandeur of his vision and the level of his thinking, my guess is that regular life looked pretty small and insignificant. He was so far intellectually ahead of the common folk these days that that had to seem like minutiae to him but anyway i don't i don't ultimately know why he took his own life but it was really tragic he was only 24 years old when this happened he's got you know a really nice family and and it was very heartbreaking for everybody but the thing about this guy is he was so big picture and profound that I think anybody who hired him as a coach would say, yeah, this guy's really fucking smart, but it'd be hard for a lot of people to appreciate him because he was such a big picture thinker. He, he was so, such a visionary. And I think it's hard to operate in a world where things like social drama and political beliefs guide our direction rather than purpose and vision and intention. So that's my understanding of, of him. Um, but I, you know, I think ultimately at the end of the day, you know, having gained one more angel and he has left me with a, a tattoo on my mind and my heart for the rest of my life. So I hope to pass down some of the learnings from him so that people like you can benefit from it. Cause since then, you know, after we finished working with him, we closed the contract for 500 grand a month with TikTok. You know, we went from doing 
50K a month in revenue to doing 500K. And it just really showed me what is possible in this world. And I think something like that is unimaginable, especially if you're like, let's just say a working professional who takes home eight grand a month. The concept of making 30 grand a month is probably absurd to you. Think about making 300 or 500 grand a month. This is the valve that he opened in my mind to let all of this profound vision and and dimensional knowledge that came from the universe, not from within, but energetically injected into me, that is the valve that he opened for me. Um, a lot of people say that the pineal gland is where the spirit lives. And in the pineal gland is also where you channel, what is the word, like divine knowledge. That's the word that I'm looking for. So the universe and God feeding you knowledge. It's the same way that in the Bible and other, you know, uh, written text, they talk about people speaking in tongues. So speaking in languages that they never knew before, same kind of thing, right? When you have psychedelic journeys or, you know, you have uh, groundbreaking spiritual experiences, oftentimes you'll come out of it with insights and knowledge that you didn't have before. And there's no explanation with how you, for, for how you got them. So let's jump into what uh, Ian left me with after he passed away. So the tragic passing of him, I think, you know, they say that only the good die young. I think this is, this signifies how next level he was to where he, he couldn't operate in the, in this kind of world, uh, that was very superficial and vanity driven and things like that. He was so much more meaningful. So he taught me about a lot of these things. And, and here's the first thing that, that he taught me. First, he taught me about this thing called limiting beliefs. So limiting beliefs are basically boundaries uh, that we have set in our mind, either from our upbringing or from societal conditioning or from rules. It's just these boundaries. Now, boundaries are great. And you'll, you've probably heard episodes where I talked about learning to say no and how to set boundaries and things like that. So I'm a big believer in boundaries, but you have to know what your own boundaries are and when it's time to expand them. And let me just give you an example of a limiting belief. A limiting belief is that I can't make 500 grand a month, either because I'm not worthy or I don't have the skills or I don't have the knowledge or I don't have the connections or whatever it is. That's a limiting belief. Now, Ian helped me. Every time I would tell him, oh, we can't do that, he would say, to me, that sounds like a limiting belief. And I'd be like, well, dude, there's, how, how could we possibly make 500 grand a month? Sure enough, a short year later, TikTok was writing us checks for 500 grand a month. So it was in fact a limiting belief. And when he unlocked it, when he cracked that nut for me, then that allowed that, that manifestation to come into my experience. So every time I would tell him we can't do this or that's not possible or whatever, he would say, that's a limiting belief. I want you to question where that's coming from, who told you that, why you believe it, and then come back to me and tell me if you still believe it. Because if there's, if it's ill-founded, if it's something that college taught you or that you know your broke parents taught you or that you know one of your small-minded friends told you, do you want to live with their truth or do you want to question that truth and redefine it? And so he really taught me to go deep on limiting beliefs and to break them, right? So now when I think about what's possible in life, like let me tell you about a limiting belief that I had for a long time. Marketing agencies can't make exponential income. That was my belief for a long time. I figured 
every company bills like let's just fi- say five grand a month for a retainer. They bring on a hundred clients before they make five hundred grand a month, but they also you know have a hundred employees and now their salaries are four hundred grand a month and you know they're making a profit of like fifty k a month even though they're bringing in five hundred grand. It, everything seemed linear in the marketing agency world, but a few years ago we made a shift as a company. And making things go parabolic, right? So we hit exponential growth instead of linear growth by going performance-based. We went from every client pays five grand and now our average client pays 75 grand. How do we do that? Well, we made it performance-based. If we are making you money, you share a little bit of that money with us. That's how we did it. So that was a limiting belief that marketing agencies were stuck in this more clients and more employees box. So, you know, when you go into your week and you're thinking about how can I apply this knowledge that I'm getting passed down from from Ian and through through Jonathan through this podcast think about what you believe and how you see things as possible and question it say is that really impossible is it really like you know let's just say that promotion right is is it really impossible that I get promoted and then you can start thinking through, well, how would I actually get promoted? And how would I actually get that next pay raise or whatever it is? So by questioning it, you're gonna bring different vantage points that will help you find creative solutions to it. Um, there's this book called Range. And in Range, he talks about, I don't remember the example exactly, but I was talking to my team about it yesterday. Creative problem solving is a matter of taking different perspectives on the same issue, right? So the question was, how would you handle this piece of this this tumor of cancer that's metastasizing? So it's basically growing, right? So the doctors for many years would use one laser at a super high frequency and just blast the shit out of this tumor. And it would be very high voltage, very high frequency, very high intensity lasers, one big ass laser, just zap it. But the issue is, is that radiation would dissipate into the areas surrounding the cancer and it would basically cause other damage a lot of collateral damage to the human body so the doctor is thinking about how can i solve this problem with this big cancer tumor and not do a bunch of radiation and collateral damage to the rest of the body so then you ask a fireman how do you put out this huge fire uh without you know causing a bunch of flood and water damage to the rest of the building and the fireman says well, instead of using one giant hose, why don't we use a bunch of small hoses and surround the fire and then put it out? Well, the same way with the cancer. If you apply the fireman's thinking to the oncologist's cancer you know, solution, instead of doing one giant laser, you might do 10 tiny lasers and gently dissipate it slowly from all different angles and not so much radiation that it you know, bleeds out into the rest of the body. So the book Range, I highly recommend it. I forget who it's by, but I'll leave it in the show notes. That book will teach you how to do creative problem solving from perspectives you never would have expected before. And that's part of where Ian's instruction around limiting beliefs uh, really starts to take shape because it's like, okay, I'm only thinking about this from the oncologist's perspective, but what if I think about this from the fireman's perspective? What if I think about this from a pastor or from a salesman's perspective or from a nurse's perspective you know what if i try to solve this marketing issue from a scientist's perspective this is how k and j developed its 
ad buying process, we use the scientific process to buy ads. So we run a hundred variations of each creative, or we take one creative and run it across 500 different variant audiences. And we see which ones get the highest click through rates. And we take the five or seven winners and we shed the 93 losers. And we run that process multiple times until we've done 500 different ad tests, right? So we're applying the scientific process to the media buying experience. So that's a great example of limiting beliefs around media buying, for example. So I encourage you to look deeper into uh, the limiting beliefs. And I may do a solo episode on just this topic. There were so many learnings from working with Ian that I am going to be doing a series where I break out the most meaningful and impactful learnings that I had uh, from working with him. All right, the next is the power of the shadow. So the shadow is the side of yourself that you are not proud of, right? Essentially, it's, you know, on the, for all of there is light, there is a shadow, right? If there's a light shining on you, if there's a positive disposition and outlook to you, there's always a shadow behind you. So the shadow is what is our, our secrets? What are our fears? What are our weaknesses? And how can we take the shadow and use it to our advantage, right? Like take our dark side, take our, our, you know, any kind of negative or fearful or sinister beliefs and turn those into things that can be instruments for the positive, right? That reminds me of Star Wars, you know, how they have like the dark side and the dark Sith and stuff like that. Like they are extremely powerful, right? But they're using that power for evil. How can we use that power for good? Because everyone has a shadow side, right? And I think Ian didn't understand, this is something I learned from observing him, he didn't have a grasp on how to handle his shadow side, which is why I think he took his own life. But you can use that shadow to become unstoppable, right? Like if you have a chip on your shoulder, you can turn that, that energy or that fear or concern or you know that hurt into discipline and motivation like, I'm gonna do better, I'm gonna prove myself to everybody and I'm gonna, I'm gonna win, right? Like they say breakups make bodybuilders. I don't think there's anything wrong with somebody who comes from a place at least early in their life of negative to do something positive. So if you get your feelings hurt by some girl and you start hitting the gym and become a bodybuilder and you know become extremely in shape and confident and successful, was that a bad thing? No, that's the reason this exists. The shadow side exists to provide you motivation. But what a lot of people do is they misinterpret it. So it's important that you, one, recognize your shadow, two, you shine a light on it, and three, you use it to your power, right? So bringing awareness to your weaknesses, your fears, your doubts, anything that you are not proud of, right? Use that to your advantage. If you got a vicious, revenge bone in your body, you can use that, the, you know, the best revenge is winning, right? So you can channel that to good. And that's something that EM really left me with was if, if you ignore your shadow side, it could end up taking your life. But if you embrace your shadow and if you embrace your darkness, you can actually use it to win. And I think the greatest, most brilliant minds, the most successful people are the ones who acknowledge their shadow. They look at it head on and they say, I own that too. That's a part of me. That fear, that abuse as a child or whatever it was, grabbing onto that and saying, fuck yeah, this is mine too. Just like my good work ethic, just like my friendly social personality, this is a part of me as well. 
Um, and when you deny that, when you sweep it under the rug, you can see what the other outcomes are. I'm sure you've observed people who had a shadow that overcame them, right? Let your light overcome that shadow. But you, again, you have to shine light on that shadow in the first place in order to overcome it, in order to even know what it is and then and to, to, to integrate it and to put it into action. That's really where you win. When I did my psychedelic experiences, I discovered a lot of my shadows. I discovered fears that were driving me to become successful, you know, I had all kinds of, of, of conditioning from when I was a kid around, you know, a scarcity mindset and like people staying broke and, you know, growing up in a middle-class environment where nobody leaves the hometown, like that created all of this fear of being broke in my mind. I never wanted to be broke. I saw what it did to people. I saw what ghettos looked like. And I was like, hell no, there's no way I'm ever going to be like that. So I actually shine light on that shadow and I discovered the source of my relentless motivation. And now... I no longer do it out of fear. I do it because it's rewarding and it's fun for me. Now it's about enjoying enjoying the shit out of life. Like I live such a super colorful life now. I travel all the time. Me and my girlfriend do salsa. We ride skateboards in Venice and you know, she roller skates and like we dance and we like party and we go, you know, to all of these exotic destinations. That's what a colorful life looks to me. And and I do that now because instead of saying I'm scared of being like that. I'm saying, this is how, this is what will make me happy in life. But I started from a place of negativity. I didn't want to be not taken seriously. I didn't want to be broke. I didn't want to be not confident. All those were my shadows for a long time. And now I have different shadows. As you shine a light on this, you begin to learn more and you become better at them. And eventually it becomes a, a source of pride and power for you. All right. So the next thing that Ian taught me was uh, there's a lot of money out there. There's so much fucking money out there. And I think it was Grant Cardone at the time was saying like, who's got my money? He's like, my money is out there. I just got to go and get it. Now, this kind of sounds like foo-foo coaching talk to him, or it, it did at the time, but again, limiting belief, right? Nowadays, when I approach, actually, I just had a spiritual intuition this morning about today's going to be a big money day. Go get the money today. And I was like, well, okay, <laughs> where am I going to get it? I don't know, but that's what my... My message from the universe was this morning, today is going to be a money day for you. Ironically enough, I sat down at my desktop at 9 a.m. to get on my first call and opened my email. And a client who owes me 24 grand said, hey, um, what's your wire details? I'm trying to send you the money. It's like, all right. The universe was right, right? And I'm going to talk about manifesting and stuff on I'm going to dip into it later in this episode, but I'm going to do a full episode on it later because, again, you can manifest that. But first, you have to believe that the money is out there, right? And I didn't believe that the money was out there. I have been working so hard and basically making dollars per hour type of work. And you know, even when I was making like 10 grand a month, I was taking home like three grand of it. And it's like, is that really any kind of, you know, life to live? So understanding that the, the money is out there. And when, when I was like, dude, that's not possible to, to my coach at the time, he showed me a niche of the marketing industry that was untapped. And we went into it and that's how we were to go from, able to go from two grand to 25 grand in the course of six months, two, two, two grand a month to 25 grand a month. All we did was find the right kind of customer. In this case, it was a, a remodeling contractor. It was a the kind of companies that install 
wheelchair ramps and stair lifts. So basically like in-home elevators for handicapped people. So the money was out there. I just needed to like sit down and go look for it. So this, this idea that uh, there's not enough money for me to be rich is one, a limiting belief, but two, just has improved my life so dramatically because even today, like just yesterday, like um, a business partner hit me up and was like, hey, I want to take some money out of my accounts. I'm, you know, I need the money right now. And I was like, fuck that, dude. Let's go get new money. Let's go close some new deals, right? Because there's more money out there. We, don't, we never have to pull from our nest egg. All we have to do is go out and hustle and make more. And so as I began to adopt this belief from him that there is always more money out there, I just got to go and find it. <laughs> I mean, when I thought about it practically, it's like, yeah, that kind of is true. Can't really argue with that. There's plenty more to, you know, there's billionaires out there. There's obviously somewhere to get this from. And there's hundreds of millions of people in the U.S. to, you know, to sell to. But when I adopted this belief, right after that is when TikTok came in as a client. And we went from making 50 grand a month to making 500 grand a month as a company. So the money is out there. You just have to genuinely believe it. And when it comes to, to manifesting, you also can't set a timeline to everything. You have to set your intentions and be patient because the universe is going to give you that much money when you are ready for it. There's a quote that I love that says, the universe gives you as much money as you are ready for. Or you could also look at it like, you're only going to get as much money as you can responsibly handle. So if you think about it, it's like, wow, do I really deserve 500 grand right now? Do I really, am I really somebody who can effectively manage that kind of budget? Well, if you are, then the universe will find a way to put it in your pocket. But if you're not, if there's still more growing to do, it might say, look, you need to try 100 grand first. You need to scrape your knees losing 20 grand before I give you 200 grand. You don't want to bet it all when it's 200 grand. You want to take a big bet when it's two grand. So that's the kind, of, kind of this calibration experience, but the money is out there for you. You just have to be willing to go get it and you have to be willing to work for it. And you have to genuinely believe that it's out there. So that was something that has been huge because now my limiting belief around marketing agencies not being able to make parabolic income is completely off. My clients went from being an average of five grand a month to 50 grand a month, now 75 grand. And we're about to close the deal for 150 grand a month. So it's like, and a marketing agency most certainly can have exponential growth. It's really just up to you as a manager, like how you're going to handle the company. Are you going to keep doing small ball deals at two grand a month? Or are you going to start asking for 200 grand a month? The next thing that he taught me was uh, how the sales process works in human psychology, the power of the pain funnel. Now, this is something, again, another Star Wars reference with great power comes great responsibility, right? When you, when you learn the force, you must not use it for evil, right? When you are given the knowledge of how to sell, you need to use it from an altruistic and benevolent perspective. As uh, one of my clients says, let's find a deal that's commercially viable for both sides. So always approach it as let's both win here. That makes any negotiation easier. And that made my negotiation with him much easier. But in the sales process, uh, Ian not only laid out a, an amazing sales script that takes the prospect through a journey, and it weaves in a bunch of storytelling and things like that. But if you were to use that script for bad, you could really manipulate people. But if you're doing something good, you could be a huge service to the world, right? As a service provider, the whole point of sales is to align my solution with your problem so I can actually solve your problem. So I'm actually doing the benevolent thing, even though I'm getting paid for it. So the sales process and the sales script and understanding human psychology and why people make certain decisions 
has been incredibly relevant for my life because every conversation I have, whether it's with a business partner or a family member or an employee or a client, it's always about getting your side to be understood in the right way and winning, right? Carrying the conversation in a way that gets the best outcome for both people. Now, that might not be my recommendation every time. So again, this process helps sort out what what the proper outcome is, not what my desired outcome is. So in the sales process, he taught me about how to uh, first right up front, talk about your pricing, make sure they're comfortable with it, make sure they can afford you. And second, give a quick, what's called a storm piercer. It's a, a clear, catchy description of what you do, right? At the time, I was a Stairlift acquisition expert. Nowadays, I am a performance growth hacker, right? So you want radical growth and you want to only pay based on how, how much we succeed for you. Okay, that's your guy. So you hook them in with your attention getter, your hook line, your subject line, whatever you want to call it, the storm piercer. And then from there, you move to uh, discovery. And in discovery, you do what's called the pain funnel. It's also in the Sandler sales process. And the pain funnel is the process of you going to the doctor and the doctor pulling out that little hammer and hitting you on the knee and saying, does that hurt? No, okay, and then he taps somewhere else. How about now? How about now, right? So it's the, the diagnosis aspect. So he's asking you all these questions like, do you smoke? Do you work out? Like, you know, do you have any allergies to medications? All that stuff. That discovery process is to bring out exactly what's wrong. And the pain funnel is not about manipulating. It's about shining light on the prospect's shadow, right? So figuring out what the real issue is here. Is it that you that your company is failing or that you have limiting beliefs, right? Is it that marketing doesn't work or that you haven't used an approach that can work, right? So we go through this process as the doctor we are diagnosing what your issue is. And the doctor's ultimate desire is to heal you, right? He, it's to solve your problem, right? So you need to approach sales and any type of persuasion in life with a benevolent and optimistic outcome for the person that you're talking to, not for yourself. And when you do that, people will recognize that you're coming from a place of altruism. I am genuinely trying to help you solve your problem. If they don't feel that at an energetic, at a subconscious level, ultimately what they're gonna do is they're gonna distrust you, but they're not gonna know it. And then they're gonna start putting up objections and saying, oh, I can't afford it, or I gotta touch my wife, or whatever their objection is. So gain their trust at a very deep level by doing genuine, caring, discovery, probing, and pain funnel. And this is what most people skip over because nobody wants to feel the awkwardness, nobody wants to highlight the negative, nobody wants to call their baby ugly, right? But you, as somebody who genuinely cares, the doctor's not gonna walk in and say, oh, your tummy hurts? Okay, let me put you on you know, uh, birth control or let me put you on you know, some kind of cancer treatment, right? I'm gonna put you on radiation because you, you could be stomach cancer. No, you're gonna be like, dude, put a freaking camera in there and look and see if there's a tumor. Do an x-ray, do an MRI, right? Like you want them to care enough to do that probing. You wouldn't trust your doctor if he was like, yeah, let me just prescribe you this painkiller, this, you know, barbiturate painkiller that's, you know, probably going to get you addicted. You don't want that. You want somebody who cares enough to dig down and to ask the tough questions. And that's really what Ian taught me about the sales process. Everyone wants to skip over that. 
They want to move straight to, here's our product, here's our price, here's the solution, will you buy it? But the problem is, if you didn't do any discovery, you didn't understand what their actual pain point is, you're probably going to recommend the wrong solution. And if they don't feel that at a deep level that they actually need this solution, then they're ultimately not going to go with you. They might tell you a yes, that's when you get soft yeses. And we can go into the sales process more in another episode, but if, if you take one thing out of this particular you know, learning, it's just learn about the sales process. Learn about persuasion. Learn about being understood in the light that you're intending to be. Learn to communicate effectively. Man, there's so many good ones in here. I'm going to do one more, and then the rest of them I'll do in the next episode because I don't want to run too long here. The last one I'm going to talk to you about is uh, how to embrace discomfort. And this one was not just a coaching technique. This was something we actually went out and did in person. So... I can sit around and look at whiteboards and watch videos and take verbal coaching all day long. How much I actually apply of that or how much I actually have to get out of my comfort zone is a whole different story. I could live completely behind my desk and never go out into the wild and actually put myself into a risky situation. But you don't actually learn unless there's gravity behind it, right? You don't actually put these things into practice, learn to apply these techniques until you've gone out into the wild. You know, if it's never pressure tested, how could you know that it works or how could you refine it? So what my coach had me do was, uh, I forget what the techniques are called, but the long story short is that you have a list of awkward, uncomfortable things that you will go do in a public place and you will intentionally garner discomfort, awkwardness, negative responses from people. And the whole idea here is to condition you to not care what they think, to not be scared of the, the potential outcomes. It, it creates a fearless, bulletproof mindset. And you know, at the time it was funny to me because I'm spending like five hours in the middle of my workday going out and putting myself intentionally into awkward situations with my coach. So some of the situations that we went and practiced, we went right into the downtown of the city and we would walk up to people like, let's just say a big gangster looking dude and being like, hey, uh, is it cool if I borrow your car and drive it around the few blocks? And having said nothing before that, the dude is of course like, what the fuck are you talking about? And so what it did was it, it, it put me in uncomfortable situations where I would have to work myself out of and negotiate and clean up the mess I had just made. And that was the first time you do it, it's super awkward and uncomfortable. But the more you do it, the more you actually get thrill out of it. It becomes fun and you like find excitement in it. So I would walk up to people and ask them, hey, can I borrow your dog for a while? Or, hey, um, do you have a hundred bucks I could hold on to? Could I, could I borrow a hundred dollars? You know, walk up to an old Asian lady and be like, yo, can I have a hundred dollars? She's like, what are you talking about? You freaking loony. And like, it's, it's just hilarious, right? it's weird to even share this, but that is what makes a CEO bulletproof, right? That is what makes somebody not care about what other people think. Because of course, there's no negative implications. You never, nothing actually ends up happening. I mean, I guess if something were to escalate, I could potentially you know, get into an argument or something, but it never actually did. People mostly just laughed about it, right? The people who we were you know, asking crazy questions to and all that stuff. 
So that was a really, really, really interesting experience because, you know, there would be everything. I was single at the time. So it'd be like, you know, go up to uh, a group of girls and just make a fool of yourself and see what happens and like have fun with it. Like what's the worst that could happen? First of all, you're probably never going to see these people again. But second, like literally what, what actually happens? What negative impact on my life happens? What's worse? My, my ego gets bruised a little bit. But the thing is your ego doesn't even, doesn't even end up getting bruised because you just don't care. Like you're doing it for fun, you're doing it for sport. And so it actually becomes like a very fun experience. Now, I don't think everybody is comfortable with doing this, but once you have done this, when you go to ask a client for a hundred grand or 500 grand or a million dollars, you don't worry what they say. You can approach that conversation with absolute confidence. I had this conversation last week. They're like, well, how much uh, does your service cost? And I'm like, I estimate between three and $5 million for this project. Of course, the dude's eyes like open super wide and his, you know, his jaw didn't hit the floor, but he's like three to five million bucks. I'm like, yeah, well, if you add this up and you, you know, take the market conditions for, you know, standard budget for this kind of thing, we're shooting to do this on the low end for you, but that's what you should budget for it. Uh, and he's like, okay. Well, as long as you can justify your value, you know, we can pay for whatever. So what did I do? I said, okay, cool. Well, let me justify my value for you. And I explained the outcomes. You're about to make $300 million off this project. If you spend $5 million on it, is it worthwhile to you? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, cool. And sure enough, we're flying to Indonesia next week to close this deal out. So the reason we did all these awkward techniques and this kind of fear setting tech exercises was so that when it came to those super high level, super enterprise conversations, I could approach that with absolute fearlessness. Now, I encourage you to, to go and try something like that. You don't have to have a coach with you. You know, you could just go out and literally practice making a fool of yourself in public and realizing that it doesn't actually have any negative impact on your life. Only thing it could hurt is your ego, which is good to hurt because then you don't have as much attachment to your ego and then you don't feel so uncomfortable when it's time to ask for a $500,000 budget or a $5 million budget. You see these, once you get over, let's just say 10 grand, any large amount of money is a large amount of money. So it doesn't really matter whether it's a million or 10 million, they're going to think that's a lot of money. If it's a hundred grand or 500 grand, those are both a lot of money in their mind. Any big client, like, I mean, they're going to have multi-millions in the bank anyway. So, you know, what is the difference between 500 grand and a million to them? It's still a lot of money. So all they need to know is, okay, his service is going to solve a big problem for us, or it's going to be worth a lot of money what he's going to do. And then of course you just rise to the occasion. So I really recommend doing this. I'm going to leave some of the resources that Ian provided for me when I was in his coaching um, in the, the show notes, because I want you to have a chance to practice this stuff in real time and reap some of the benefits that I did. So I'm going to hit pause here for now. Uh, I hope this has been a, an interesting episode for you and giving you a little bit more inspiration on where you can go uh, you know, next with your personal development. Um, but I just want to send a blessing out to Ian really quick and thank him for all the impact that he's had on my life, as well as, you know, the other people that were part of the coaching program. 
And I know he's watching down over us and he's probably proud that I'm edifying my audience with this, with this amazing knowledge that you know, was passed on to him and now passed on to us and now you. So I hope you enjoyed this. If you did, share it with a friend, text it to somebody, tag me on Instagram. And I will see you in part two next Monday of my coach recently passed away. Here's what he left with me. All right, see you on the flip side. Peace.